Welcome to the Grow Your Money Podcast, where we're on a mission to change how we talk about money. Our fireside chats are the heart of our show, bringing the energy and excitement of in-person events straight to your ears. We aim to connect you with inspiring voices and stories that matter, sharing relatable experiences and insights that will transform your financial life. But this isn't your typical money show. We look at the emotional, psychological, and cultural factors that shape our relationship with money. So hit subscribe and join us for another episode of the Grow Your Money podcast. Thank you, everyone, for coming back. Uh, Not on time. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Is my mic on? Um, I'm quite a low speaker, so thank you. Thank you very much. So we are going into our next part of this evening. I hope you've all enjoyed the food and had something to drink. And now we get to sit down for a fireside chat. Uh, so I will tell you about it and then I will introduce these wonderful ladies here. So uh, the chat today will focus on tackling stigma and overcoming barriers. How we apply this in the current cost of living. So we've already heard about the challenges that we face having come from different countries and the experiences that we have as people um, that do not typically appear to fit within the boxes. So there is a lot to talk about today. But before we go any further, I would first of all, because I come from a culture where the host has to welcome their guests first. So you're not going to get to know about me first, but I'm going to tell you about my guests here. So first, I'd like to introduce to you, everybody knows uh, Tina. I'll come to you last, save the best for the last. But um, I'll introduce to you, Kashfi. And I am also going to read because sometimes when you don't read, you forget some things. So Kashfi, Kashfi is uh, currently the equality and diversity inclusion advisor at the University of West of Scotland. However, Kashfi started off as the Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Advisor and as an Erasmus Mandus partner. She'll tell us all about it uh, as a scholarship holder. In 2021, she completed an international master's in adult education for social change at the University of Glasgow. But what I want to say to you about Kashfi, I've known Kashfi for maybe about three years and Kashfi is amazing. But more importantly, what I really like about Kashfi is the way you articulate experiences of our communities and the way you articulate the experiences that we go through. And so I'm really keen to hear what you're going to be speaking about tonight and the conversation that we're going to have with you tonight. So I'm delighted that you are here with us today. But that's my part of the introduction. But I'd like for you to also introduce yourself because one of the things that we have here in our communities is that we get spoken for a lot. I don't find that to be the way in which we should be going. I think we, we can speak for ourselves. In fact, um, we need to be able to voice what we need to say ourselves without somebody speaking for us. So I am not speaking for you. I was just introducing you, but I'd like for you to speak for yourself. Please tell us who you are in your own words. Hello. Good evening, everyone. So 
as Fiona kindly introduced me, my name is Kashvi, and I'm from Bangladesh. Uh, that's just a part of the story. Um, and yes, I do work as EDI advisor. I think one thing that is really important to me is just thinking what made me want to come here and be a part of this experience with you all is, you know, that financial aspect in going through that as an international student, being a, as in America, I would be called non-resident alien, um, <laughs> you know, from another planet. So I've experienced that, you know, being a part of being from one culture, then not belonging to another culture and living in other contexts and trying to fit in um, things like that. So I've kind of gone through that along the way and I understood how important it is to be able to rely and build community that you can, you know, that holds you when you're down and you hold each other and you lift each other up. And I think that's what makes this um, occasion so, so special because we're here to learn and grow together. Um, So, and I really love the food here, so. <laughs> That's me. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Kashfi. Thank you. Um, right. So, you need no introduction, Tina. Uh, but I am delighted to be here, Tina. And thank you very much for inviting me to host. It's an absolute honor. Um, <clears throat> one thing about, about Tina is that regardless of who you were, she will give you the time. She will make time if you need her. And that is something that we need in our community. So, for that, I really want to thank you. But to be here, to be here, to be able to be at the launch is super amazing. So really thank you for inviting us all here and thank you for the work that you're doing with our communities. So um, I just want to uh, kick off with um, you obviously uh, can, you know, I know you need no introduction, so I'm not going to let you do that. But... I want to kick us off with a conversation about the experiences of coming into this system. Tina, you've already said about how you got into the system and you found yourself in this space where you can actually get debt for a couch. You know, we, we are a cash economy back home. But I do want to hear from, uh, first of all, Kashfi, and then we'll have the conversation. What did it feel like for you to get into a system that does not necessarily appreciate you, appreciate your value. In fact, <clears throat> I did have something that I did uh, that I wanted to to read out um, because I find that in our communities in, in in Scotland we are not valued enough. We can value ourselves, but we're not valued enough. And as a direct result, we find ourselves going round and round in circles. I do remember I have not introduced myself. My name is Fiona Matovo. I'm co-founder and director of Radiant and Brighter Community Interest Company. And uh, we are partners with uh, Manimatics, and my work is really in anti-racism. And I'm, I'm an anti-racist scholar, and my work really focuses on how we engage with communities, but how, especially, how we engage with the mainstream. So what was your experience with the mainstream? How, how did it shape your thinking around finance and engaging within the mainstream? You're listening to the Grow Your Money podcast. We'll be right back after giving our partners a well-deserved shout-out. Are you looking to promote diversity and economic participation in migrant communities? Join the Radiant and Brighter Community Interest Company. They work with various organizations to bridge the gap between existing support provisions and needs of these communities. Supported by the Scottish Government Social Innovation Partnership Fund, their innovative practices have received recognition from the industry. Learn more about their work and how to get involved at radiantandbrighter.com. 
Make group gifting easy and show someone how much you care with GiftRound. Whether it's farewells, birthdays, or just a thank you, their platform makes it simple for colleagues, friends, and families to collect money for group gifts. Create a gift round today and celebrate together. Visit giftround.co.uk to learn more today. So what was your experience with the mainstream? How, how did it shape your thinking around finance and engaging within the mainstream? I've never had a credit card. I still don't. <laughs> and um and i've lived in i grew up in australia and i lived in the united states and a few other countries in between and somehow my relationship with money is i have a muslim faith background and my parents have often taught me as uh and tina mentioned like some cultural and religious values where like you if you have the money you can make that purchase or you cannot so I think that now that I think about bigger purchases and I fell in love with Scotland and I want to stay here a bit longer, I'm going to have to think about making bigger investments like buying property, et cetera, et cetera, when I get to that level. So I'm sort of grappling with that a sort of understanding how finances work here. And I know that I can't, you know, possibly save up like, you know, that all of the money. So I might have to go for mortgage and other things. So I think for me, it's just been a learning curve and just sort of coming to realization because in the past I would have a really hard time even looking at my bank account I would just be like okay like I'm, I don't need to look at it. I'll just pay the bill if I if the card gets declined okay <laughs> because I'd be so afraid because you know we you know I didn't have a very comfortable relationship with money but I think in the past year when having to do my own budgeting and having to live in the real world for a period of time I think I've developed a healthier have relationship with money but there's so many unknown and I am so uncomfortable asking people what to do as well. So I guess like I'm just trying to figure out how that affects. But the most important part is financial independence and financial well-being is definitely incur you know, definitely something that has allowed me to live my life by how I choose to live. I do come from an arranged marriage culture. So, you know, I've been able to live my life according to not what my culture expects me to do. So I do value that and I want to learn more, but I realize that, yeah, money does matter. And uh, that's what I'm here for, to learn more. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and I know that, Tina, you do speak about this, actually, the, the aspect of uh, people not being able to fit into the boxes that we are expected to fit into. So she's never had a credit card. And there will be people in the, in, in the communities that do not believe in debt. I am one of those people, hands up. I don't really like debt. I don't care if it's a credit card. I come from a background where I had to work my way out of debt. So I do not want debt. What do you think about that, Tina? How, how do we move forward from there? How do we get people accepted regardless? I think that's an interesting question. First of all, from the point of view of, um, as I had told you earlier, when I was growing up, money was never a thing I did not think about money if I wanted to go somewhere I wanted to do something I thought about it I decided I wanted to do this I went and did it that's what life was and um, moving to the UK meant two things nobody knew me so I didn't have trust no one trusted me and I found it very odd for someone to say are you going to who are you can I trust you with money that was confusing for me that was the first thing and then the second and an interesting point to what you're saying is because of that failure to navigate and understand the system here, when we came here, we, we came as highly, um, highly skilled migrants. And so when we're getting money and thinking about investing and saving, 
our first stop was to send money back home by land, by a, you know, by a flat, whatever it was. Um, and I come from a very interesting family. Our families are very interesting. Once we had done that twice, my mom said, excuse me, you didn't live here, a prisoner. You've left here of your own free accord. You've gone to live in the UK. Why am I now becoming your secretary that I'm having to find you properties and land to buy and this? If you're making money and it's so good out there, make it work where you are. Stop sending me to buy you land and sending me to build and all this. I'm not going to do that because I have my own stuff to do. But if you've decided to make the UK home, make it home because you chose to go there. If it's not working out for you, come back here. And that was the realization for me that, oh my goodness, yeah, I'm, Uganda is not home anymore. I'm kind of going to have to make it work here. These guys give you couches on credit. I'm going to have to do something with this, right? So I, I just went and upskilled myself on that. I was like, right, how do I um, turn what I have, what I want to invest in Uganda? How do I invest that here? And that took me on a new journey. I have a different um, upbringing. So credit for me is a, a means to an end. I'm, I was brought, brought up in business. So I think I've always had a relationship with banking. I understand the importance of, of credit and how to make it work for you. So I was good from that point of view. I didn't know how that would work in the UK. But when my mom said that to me and she was like, excuse me, this is, if you're making the UK home, be, make that home. I was like, right, so I'm going to have to make this work. And so I went on that quest to try and understand that. that, that, that. And to your point, um, it's speaking to people. Like I literally go to a bank and I say, I don't know what I need to do. You have an obligation to tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. So give me that information. I asked, I took the power back and said, you have a right to be telling me what I need to know. So I'm going to take the information from you. And I think that's a key thing, especially with our differences. We have to let them know. We have to be saying, excuse you, the flyer you have, it doesn't fit my circumstances. So tell me where I can go to fit my circumstances. You know, um, th th that brings me to the quote that I wanted to I wanted to um, to refer to um, by Goldberg, and it says uh, it says that people are considered to be part of the mainstream by the mainstream at the convenience of the mainstream. They also easily cease to be part of the mainstream whenever the mainstream decides. If people do not believe in debt, surely you'd think that we could do something, but that's the work that you're going to be doing, right? <laughs> okay, so um, the other thing that, that I do want us to speak to is in your experience, so you've talked about you went and you educated yourself, but it's not always easy for somebody to educate themselves. Where do you start and also when you go into, say, a bank and they say to you, oh, sorry, we cannot give you an account. We've had that, those experiences where people don't even get an account. Where do you go from there? What could somebody potentially do to move from a place where they don't have the power to taking back the power practically, literally? When you go in and something happens like that, what do you do? That's a very, very good and key question that I realized, you know, um, Robin spoke about privilege mm. and we do not understand the privilege of our upbringings. But one thing that I was brought up with was I, I know that I'm able and I'm enough and I'm capable. So I always look outwards for like if, if it's not working, someone has to fix it. It, it needs to be fixed. Right. So when we're trying to upskill ourselves, um, 
we went through a period of, of no money. We, we had a season when, um, you know, we, we were just transitioning and we didn't have money. But my mind is like, I need to make this work. So where do people here find information? I'll go and ask. And one of the things that we don't do well as humanity, I suppose, is we are always blaming ourselves. We think we're the ones that don't know what to do. But the moment you realize, wait, I, I'm, I don't know what to do right now, or I'm struggling right now, but wait, there's people are doing making it out there. How are they making it? So I literally go and ask, Fiona, how are you getting that done? So I remember walking into a bank and asking about mortgages. And it's, they said, are you going to buy a house? I said, yes, I am going to buy a house. Right. Do you have a deposit? What is a deposit? I had no clue. <laughs> and they said, well, if you don't know what a deposit is, then um, I said, well, as you can see, I'm new to the place. So you kind of not going to need to tell me what that is. They said, OK, this is a deposit. Do you have a reference? What is a reference? Literally, I asked my way. I don't care how stupid I look. I just know what I want and I'm going to communicate that. And that's something we don't do very well. We don't communicate for ourselves very well. Or someone asks you two or three questions and you give up. But if you decide I am buying this house one way or the other, hook or crook, and you're the one standing between me and that house, that stops being a barrier. So um, it's articulating what you want to get and gain and working out those barriers and tackling them one by one. Okay. And talking about ad articulating uh, those barriers, sometimes you don't really know what those barriers even are. Kashfi spoke about the fact that you were, uh, you know, money, you know, the relationship we have with money. But do you, can you actually confidently talk about money? Do you, do you, what do you think about us having that conversation about money? Because we don't usually really talk about money like this, do we? And sometimes it's that uncomfortable thing, even as I was saying here that I don't believe in debt, I'm finding myself thinking, oh, do I want to share that with everybody? But Robin said, everybody is my friend. So I hope that's okay. So the, by the way, if you have any questions, please raise your hand. We have a roving camera. Uh, roving microphone so somebody will come to you if you have any questions or comments feel free to join in how do you um feel about talking about money but what could you know just speak to that please i would say um <clears throat> i think it came to a point where you know mental health and well-being with the advent of the pandemic as well as my international student era was coming to a close and i knew that in order the you know finances were adding up um where i had to pay two grand i was talking to tina about this earlier for the post-study work visa on top of being able to pay your bills and things like that and you know i found myself unprepared you know and um so but you know where's where's that possibility like for, in terms of academic stuff and other things i'll ask people i'll go to my professors but when it comes to money I think I've inherited some, and I'm not afraid to admit, some level of stigma. You'd Like you said, Fiona, like, I don't really, I'm, I'm uncomfortable to say that, hey, I'm struggling. Hey, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. I'm not sure if the lights are going to be on next month and things like that. So I think that to answer your question, just to sort of get how do we overcome that stigma? It's more of a question than an answer. I'm still learning how to do that. So, you know. Anybody yep. with uh, with some some comments on that? How do we overcome that stigma? Because it's something that we have. Somebody here has something to say. Um, somebody's coming with a with a microphone to you. Uh, because I think it's really important that we overcome that. I remember um, uh, this lady here. 
Okay, um, talking about stigma, overcoming stigma, um, it's uh, one of those things is about confidence and getting um, help and support out there. So, for example, there are organisations out there where you can get free access. So, simply, you know, there's a, um, it's called Alice, a, a local information system, and you can just type in your postcode. So, depending on where you live, um, and uh, all you do is there's a drop down menu of uh, mental health resources um, to um, if you've got any issues with money matters. So. Um, for example, if you got debt, sometimes it can be as simple as opening a bank account. Do you know you can get a free basic bank account? Um, so some people that, you know, have unfortunately had a bankruptcy or had, you know, um, issues, um, with money experiences, there are, you know, um, ways of getting access to uh, money. Okay, you won't get that credit, but you can build that credit and you can also check your credit free. So um, there's informational resources out there and uh, it's as simple as, uh, I know it's easy to say, as simple as that. It's just saying that it's your right to get access and not to sort of feel stigmatised. It's very easy. I come from a community like yourself. I'm your neighbour, Pakistani, <laughs> just next door. Yeah, and, uh, you know, debt was never a thing. If you don't have the money, you don't get, um, and you would never borrow. But I have sort of been on the receiving end where someone sort of used my credit and sort of taken it. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's okay to say no, and it's okay to say I'm not okay. And there is help and uh, seriously act. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, um, uh, Eddie. Thank you. Um, maybe just to add on that very briefly, as regards to where to go or how to find help and things like that. The other thing that I find quite useful is just going to Google. I know it sounds as cliche or as basic, but ask Google any question. There's always information out there from people who are experts in the field talking about anything. It could be credit passes, saving passes, keeping money, anything you want. Put it in Google. You'll be surprised what you get. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I think that is something that we need to be to really think through in terms of researching and finding finding answers. But I do remember we had an experience where we went to speak to a financial advisor. And uh, in that situation, <laughs> we were hoping to get some advice and the person said, I don't talk to people like you, I talk to rich people. And we were stuck. <laughs> but <laughs> that's why I'm delighted that we have you because we now have Manimatics. We can come to Manimatics and we can have that conversation with you. And uh, all the resources that we can get from you will be phenomenal. So now... Uh, we, we, we've talked about the barriers, we've talked about the challenges, we've talked about the, you know, the experiences of how we have been shaped coming here. But we do have things that we can do. There are things that we can do to move forward. So whether individually or as a community, you spoke about investment. Where does one start? When you're thinking about investment, we always talk about saving and putting money in the account. But when you're thinking about investment, that is a scary thought because you don't know where to go. Some of us don't even have pension. So where do you go for that? What do we do? Where do you even start? Thank you. 
So I think um, to to your point that you said, I wanted to to just address that briefly. The first thing that we we need to do is to understand that we have a right. We have a right to be here. It doesn't matter what your visa status is. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. You have a right to be here. And even if you didn't have a right to be here, you have a right to be alive, which means that you have a right to a semblance of a good financial, you know, lifestyle. Um, in terms of investments, one of the things that I did personally was marry marry an accountant. <laughs> Sorry, I'm already married. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you can't do that, <laughs> find the accountant she's married to. <laughs> For a day. <laughs> the next best thing is uh, literally finding good advice. What I've, what I've managed to do is what, what, you, what we need to do is surround ourselves with mentors. Um, you heard from Kevin earlier. But one of the things we tend to think is that mentors need to be people in person. You can have a mentor online. Um, I love, and if Martin Lewis listens to this, you're coming to my fireside chat at some point, Martin Lewis. <laughs> so I'm calling him out there. But Martin Lewis is very good at giving you those tips and advice. So he's, he's, he's one of my mentors. Find a mentor online that does what you want to do nicely and do it. I love property. I love property so much. So I have so many mentors in, in property. They, I follow people online. We're, we're in the era of, uh, we're in an era of social media, um, a craze of social media. So follow the right people and then find someone in your community that can hold you accountable. Because one of the things that happens with your, ourselves, you set a goal for two days and give up on it or something goes wrong. You, you don't, you don't meet your target and you give up easily. But if you find yourself an accountability partner, which is what we're hoping to do with the Manimatics challenge, Someone that's going to say, excuse you, you said you were buying a house next year. And there's someone who I might embarrass who has just managed to do that. Um, it's like, who are you asking for information? Find someone that's reliable, that you can soundboard off and find an accountability partner. For investment specifically, it's very interesting. It's a variety of things. The first thing with investing is understanding your risk appetite. And that's something we don't do very well. I'm a big risk, risk appetite. Now, what is that? <laughs> Please. So, so your your ability to what will you feel when you lose ten pounds versus what will you feel when you lose a hundred pounds? And what's you will you walk away easily? Will you brush yourself off? You know, and how much of that are you able to do? What what risk are you willing to take? I'm a big risk taker. I'll you know I'll risk everything. The accountant is not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you need that balancing act. And so if you know that you are a very big risk taker, find someone. It doesn't have to be your partner. If both of you are rubbish with money, find a friend and say, listen, I need help with getting accountable. Um, the other thing I'll say about investing is invest in yourself first. We tend to go out and invest and try to find investments for money, but you're leaving yourself in a hole. Your, your mental health is not being looked after. You're not, you're, you're, you're not looking after yourself. You're not healthy. You're, you're cooped up in the house. Invest in yourself first, and that can be anything like even going on a holiday, sitting down and being grateful for what you have, picking up the phone and calling someone that you love, invest in yourself first, and then from there you can set good goals and get into investing. And that holiday we are going to start when we do the money the money challenge. We are going to be saving up for that holiday. So, uh, Kashfi, uh, I'm going to come to you on this one first. Um I want you to share an experience 
that um, a time when you have overcome something, whether it's mentally or practically in finance, um, it, it, please don't share your secrets, but just anything, you know, a time when you thought, you know, actually I need to get over this and what you did to come out of this. Because we do have things that we are dealing with, situations that we, are, we need to get through. Definitely. Um, I would say um, one of the things that I overcame was not understanding how my mental health was directly impacted by my finances. That was something that took a while for that connection to be made. I learned very quickly that if I don't have an additional of, let's say, like a hundred pounds on top, you know, on top of what I need to spend at during that day, I will start to panic and have anxiety just because just in case I need to take grab a taxi or do something, I need to have that money in order to be prepared. I like to be prepared for emergencies, for example. So that was something that I came to uh, realize about myself and um, one of the things that I did and, you know, why we're here today as well is I, when I made that connection, I started to talk to my friends, my, my classmates. I was like, hey, we're, we're all finishing up our master's. We're all non-European international students and we're going to do the post-study work visa and going to work and live in the United Kingdom. And we're going to have to fork out two thousand pounds um, for all of the fees, visa fees, et cetera, health subcharge let's start saving and let's do it together. So that's something we would like, hey, like, you know, let's cook together. We'll have fun. But, you know, so that's kind of building that community. That's how I went with it. And I would call my friends if I wasn't feeling good. And I would be like, um, let me find a way to put my money into a different place so that I can't touch it. Because when I'm sad, I know where I'm upset. I might be indulging when I shouldn't be indulging. So I'll, I guess a way of putting it is to become aware, A, to become aware of what your spending habits tend to be, what you tend to do when you are sad, when you're going through mental health, can, you know, stay and, you know, things like that. Find your connection. What's your relationship with money? And three is rely in, you know, in on your friends and community to keep you motivated towards your financial goals. Thank you very much, Kashfi. I'm sure very many people resonate with that. And Tina, you, you are the money Tell us, tell us how you, you know, something that you have, you came through that you haven't already shared because you've already talked about a lot, but that might help somebody to also think through what, you know, how they could get. So something interesting about how I even ended up here or doing anything to do with manimatics was my absolute fear of luck. Um, when we went through that season, when we didn't have enough, I was just so shell shocked that a day can come and I don't have, like that had just never occurred to me and that, that fear gripped me so deeply. And so at the time we were renting a house um, and we didn't have money coming in, we didn't have jobs, we were, we were really, really struggling, we were transitioning and this transition was taking so long. And then my mom would keep saying, oh, God is trying to teach you a lesson. I'm like, no thanks, I'll pass. Um, and I was so, so scared. And I, I remember thinking to myself, if I come through this, I will never, ever lack. So because of that, in that season, we were not able to pay our rent. We couldn't meet all our obligations. And in my mind, I was like, how can I not be able to, how do I not have enough money to pay my bills? I've done nothing wrong and I can't pay my bills. I'm so 
I'm not embarrassed. I was determined not to ask our parents for money. That was something I was not going to do. That would be the ultimate failure. So we had to go to the landlord and ask the landlord to kick us out because we're told if the landlord kicks you out, you can get a house. (laughs) We've heard those stories. Yeah. We're told if the landlord kicks you out, you can get a a house from the government. Said, well, Graham, kind of, you need to kick us out on this one. It's not working out. Graham said, I can't do that. You guys have a baby. I love you guys. You've been awesome. You hug me when I come along. We're like, well, this is kind of desperate, man. We need you kicking us out. And this guy just wouldn't kick us out. What what he agreed to do was to was to lower the rent, right? He he reduced the rent. And for me, that was the most painful thing I ever had to do because I loved this guy was awesome. He would bring we didn't know many people in the we didn't know anyone in the UK at the time. He had given us this rental property in spite of us not having references. And the estate agent made him sign a document to say he was giving us a property at his own risk because we didn't meet the criteria. But the guy looked at us. He asked us a bit about our background. He said, I think they'll be good for it. And here we were trying to get him to cut off £100. So I said, I would rather be having this conversation with the bank. So as soon as I can get out of this road, I'm buying a house. I don't care how. I don't care what I do. I'm going to buy a house. And so that became my, 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 you know, my, my anchor point. And I educated myself to it. I was, I became obsessed with getting on the property ladder. I said, I'll have that conversation with NatWest because I don't know who they are. So I'm happy to tell them I'm not paying you this month, but I don't want to have that conversation with Graham. So I think anchoring, anchoring yourself, having an end in mind. And singularly looking at that end in mind is extremely important. It has helped me even with manimatics. I cannot tell you the number of situations that have come up, but I'm determined. I'm determined that our communities will see the end of financial crisis. We must make it happen. We must. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to that point, the biggest pain is that it's small things that keep us away from our target it's very small things a small adjustment here five pounds saved here knowing that you can ask you know your landlord to give you a discount knowing what rights you have uh, in government just very small tweaks can change our lives but we don't know it and i'm determined that that's that's the anchor that's the anchor point we must get out of financial uh, crisis we must become financially included we must and that's my anchor. So having that anchor point, deciding what it is, do you want to get on the property ladder? What What is your anchor point? What's your goal? And single-handedly determined to get there. Thank you very much. Now, uh, think about whether you have questions. I'll take maybe a couple of questions. Uh, right. There's so many hands going up. Uh, uh, you first, Rebecca, first. Somebody here, there's somebody there, there's somebody there. Uh, while, while, while you get to them, um, my one thing for you uh, that I would like to share is an experience that we had ourselves. So we had a period of five years when we were not allowed to work, claim benefits, blah, 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 all that kind of business, undocumented migrants, all that kind of stuff. We'd been documented before, we're now, not, are now undocumented. And one of the things that happened is that we go to a stage where, like you, we did not, we couldn't afford our rent, so we were not paying rent. And so first thing, that happened was the discovery that we would not get thrown out until uh, we'd gone to court. So our prayer became, God, please come through for us before we, are, before we go to court. 
literally they, they, after eight months the week we were going to court is when we actually got our paperwork and that is how we came out of it that's one thing but the second thing that happened the bailiff turned up at our door because we're not paying council tax so when they turned up <laughs> we opened the door say would you like a cup of coffee <laughs> so we came we offered tea and we said, look, surely you can take us to prison. You can take us to court. We have no money. We can't pay. <laughs> and this, this lovely lady sat down and said, I know about these stories, but nobody has ever told me so openly about their story like you have. In fact, I'm going to go back and I'm going to put a note because you cannot go to, you cannot go to prison for cancer tax. I'm going to go and put a note on that you have no money basically and that's what she did the moment we got our paperwork it kicked in we were already in debt before we even started first thing we did was pay off all our debt we spent nights still eating the way we were when we had no money and we worked and worked ourselves out of debt that's why for me debt is like ah, do i really need to take debt for you to know that i can manage my finances we'll come to you <laughs> Well, I think something I wanted to uh, point out, it, it remained dawning on me when Tina mentioned about her experience with her mother. When her mother said, you are not taken as a prisoner to the UK and I'm not going to be your secretary. Could that be something that is hindering our growth? Because we are living two worlds. Many of us are investing abroad we don't live there. 10 years down the line, 20, 30, the investment runs stale, is stolen, is loses value. And we don't agree to ourselves that actually we are not living there. Could that be an issue we have to sort of like get to sync? Absolutely. With and also appreciate the fact that a decision has to start yeah. in us to say, Scotland is home yes. because otherwise if we've not gotten over that mm -hmm. we are not going to go to the bank manager and say I want to buy a house That's right. because right. how are you going to live in that house when you're living in Uganda That's when you're living in Nigeria thank you very much get over it you are here invest here <laughs> was it you that had your hand up and then we'll come back to you and then there's a hand behind it so uh, thank you for this opportunity. Um, Jeff Bezos is giving away, was it 190 billion, he said. Uh, Bill and Melinda are also giving away lots of money. Uh, is it because they, they have more than enough that they're giving it away? How can we as, you know, uh, salt of the earth people, for lack of another way of putting it, um, you know, incorporate Given, I mean, I found your concept of 70, 10, 10, 10 very interesting. Um, with today's uh, cost of living crisis, everybody has loaned out 50 quid to somebody who Nigerians like to say, my personal person, or giving out 200. Uh, but after a while, you start to ask yourself, like, wait a second, this is going to impinge on my, my own budget. Uh, what are your thoughts around how we can help each other at, at our point of need and how we can sort of plan for not just uh, your own emergencies, but, you know, helping 
the people you care about or people you want to see them do well, but you know financially just not sure how to go about doing it. Does money matrix uh, actually help with that kind of scenario? That's a very good question, and I get asked this a lot. I've actually been challenged by it myself. But the two things I'll say about that are, one, you cannot give if you've not budgeted to give. So it has to be part of your budget. It has to be part of your infrastructure. And I, I already put my hand up. I'm a Christian, so I, I, I give, and it's part of what, you know, it's, it's, it's what I'm designed to do. But it, it comes back. It has definitely come back for me in so many different ways. But the second and key thing is you have to make sure you're looking after yourself first. So set aside a budget, no matter how little is coming in, set aside a budget that you're going to give. When that budget gets there, stop. A third thing I want to say is that sometimes we think giving is all about money. There's many more ways to give that are even more important than money. Someone can have all the money in the world and they just need someone who can say, how are you today? I see you. So think about alternative ways. If, you don't, if you're not able to make it work right now, what else are you, are you giving of your time? Are you, are you being a good friend? There are other areas that you may be able to give in. But key and most important is you have to account for it in your structure. You cannot, if you, if you put in your sat nav that you're going to Livingston, the car will not take you to Glasgow. It will take you to Livingston. And that's the whole thing about the Grow Your Money Challenge is let us set ourselves a destination. Let's have a navigation guide of where we are going. I want to be a giver. I want to invest. We, we do this, this uh, mantra. Godwin is probably better at it than me, but we, we, we get our kids to say these mantras and we, we, we see, say these things every morning and we say, I'm an over and above giver. So that's part of what I am designed. That's who I want to be. I want my brand to be a giver. Therefore, I will give. I am an investor. I invest over and above. If you don't say you're an investor, you won't even start looking for investments. So we need to set ourselves some boundaries. Decide what you want. Each of you is a brand. We're all brands. What is my brand? My brand is a giving, investing, abundant brand. So you then account for those things. So anchoring yourself is very important. Thank you. Thank you very much. I see hands going up. Uh, no? Okay. Two people and then that. Ah, you have literally seconds to ask or say something and then yeah i see you and i see you under the back um thank you very much um tina congratulations um i remember when i saw you a few years back when you were trying to set this thing up um, i was actually curious as to what it would become and i'm very pleased to see that years after is transformed into what it is today sir uh, congratulations for that and um I think my key question is, um, obviously, I can understand what it is you're doing. And um, the key thing for me is to come into this place today to have heard your story as to where you've come from and where you are today. The key question is, um, how and what advice would you give to other black people here in Edinburgh um, to actually take that next step into doing something amazing because all of us here, as we've been saying, have that capability. And uh, as you know, I've, 
I've been the only black man in Edinburgh for years. We have been going to all these places, having been 28 years as a tech entrepreneur. So I understand all that is involved. But the question is, how could you get somebody like yourself to motivate others to follow in your footstep in order to actually do other things that would help the community? Thank you. Thank you very much for that question. You're not going to answer both of you because that is actually our final uh, question, which is going to be, what do you say to others? So thank you very much. That was a fantastic question, but we'll answer that last. Hello, my name is Taufik. This is brilliant, Tina. It's very inspiring to be in the midst of, you know, some cerebral discussions. So my question is, how do you re-engineer the mindset of a race of people who have a stigma to asking for help. That's it. Right. <laughs> Kashfi and then Tina. <laughs> Whew. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's where the trouble begins. Um, definitely. I had an incredible incredibly difficult time it was coming to a point where i the rent situation i was not able to i was like three four months rent behind in rent and things like that were happening and i'm like i'm still asking for help oh my gosh what will people think of me oh no like oh my gosh like i'm a failure but they're thinking like oh, i just graduated and you know this and that and but then i'm like but if you're dead if you're if you're on the streets if you're not fed if you're what then you know like you know i thought of for me what was like i have to think about this seriously i'm like what are what is the worst case scenario that can happen and also like there's so many people out here who can help what what it wouldn't make me any less of a human being to ask for help if i needed it even if it's in the form of advice as tina mentioned so i had to sort of like overcome that stigma i'm like well I know that this is a crisis, but it's not forever. I will come out on the other side. But again, you know, that is something I'm just like, I came to, you know, like, <laughs> you know, my uh, with my back against the wall. I was like, well, that this is the worst I'm at and it can't get worse. So let me try something different. I haven't asked for help. Let me ask for help. And it made a ton of difference. And uh, yeah, I was able to get through. Thank you very much. So that's the, the, the other angle of it, that some people just don't ask for help. And yet when somebody dies, we start collecting money for them. So <laughs> the other perspective where um, there is a stigma attached to asking or and there is also that aspect of do we ask, do we not? That's very interesting because actually uh to what you what you're asking is is the reason why um we stayed in a financial crisis for so long because we were too proud to ask our parents to step in we were determined that they were not going to help us we we're going to get out of it but um anchoring yourself is extremely important i think the word help is not the right word here thank you um when you are trying to get out of a financial crisis or, or to achieve anything you're not needing help. You are needing guidance to make your mission happen. The moment that landed with me, everything changed. So 
when I come to you and say, guys, we have an event coming on on this day. I'm not asking you to help me and come and attend the event. I know that I'm giving you value. So I'm expecting you to come and it's going to be an exchange of value. So don't think of yourself as asking for Say help. that again. It is an exchange of value for you to come and attend. You're not helping and we are not helping. Yeah. Say that again. Thank you. <laughs> Carry on. So you're not, you're never asking for help. You are getting yourself to a place where you can be more valuable to your children, to your spouse, to the economy, to everyone else. And no one is helping you. That's, I think, when, when, it, when that lands for you, you have a different mindset. You approach things differently. You have a right. You have a right to be economically active. Therefore, if I have a barrier, it's like if you, if you don't see well without glasses, you get glasses. The glasses are not helping you. They are an end. They are a means to an end, which is to see. So you're exchanging value. When, when you're asking someone to tell you where the bank account is or to lend you money or to hold the rent for a few months, you're telling him to stall it so that you'll be better for yourself and for him. And when that switches, and what, that's what I'm hoping to do, is to help us switch our mindset and look at ourselves as valuable. When I come into a space, when I come to have a partnership with RBS, I'm bringing value. Paula and them need to work better with communities. So that's the value I'm bringing. And then Paula is giving me value because she's also, she's sponsoring the challenge. She's giving me expertise. She's giving me all these tools. So it's an exchange of value and not help for help's sake. Thank you. Thank you. Um, now, I'm really, really sorry because I know there was a question there. I don't know, but I'm really sorry that we've run out of time. So I'm just going to ask us to wrap up. Uh, so I'm going to ask you. Meanwhile, before we wrap up, I'm going to ask everybody a show of hands if, uh, because it looks like we've all been through rent situations. Have you been through rent? Please don't put your hand up. I'm joking. But it looks like there's so many of us. But you have experts here who have gone through the experiences and can tell you all about it and how they got out. And there'll be more people there. So if you are in that situation, please don't hide. So the last question from that gentleman, okay? And it ties in with what was going to be our final question. What do you say to people who are starting out? People who are, um, what do you say to uh, individuals here, people in our communities? Like even some tips, you know, things that you can share, something that people can actually go away with today. Um, don't neglect your well-being. Um, please take stock of the support network you already have in existence. Um, they, your community, your friends, people you already know are probably going through something similar without you know you even realizing it um also if you have mentors and teachers lean into that um the other thing is um well i'm i'm of a faith background but i've i've always had faith so i guess like believing in what you believe in and just sort of like being like it's gonna be okay and to have that perspective going forward i know but yeah that's me thank you kashfi tina the woman of the night Mine are going to be extremely out there, so don't quote me on this. But my first one is um, be ambitious. I, uh, and I'll say this in front of Mark because I may pull you in to help me, my plan is to be a unicorn. Moneymatics has to be a unicorn. I keep saying that, so now, now I'm on camera. Come on. 
And right now it seems like it's out there. But if I believe and start thinking like a unicorn, that means I have to take stock of where I am right now. So take stock of where you are. Have an anchor in mind where you're intending to go. And then be honest with yourself. What do you not have? What tools and resources do you need to get to be that thing? So because I intend to be a unicorn, I knew for sure when I came to the UK, I had no network. I knew nobody to the point that I'm telling you, I'd never been asked in my life if I was good for money. And here I am, people don't even know if I'm going to pay them back, right? So I knew that if I was going to do business well in the UK, I had to do something about it. I had to create a network because you cannot survive without a network. So I had to create a network and build my reputation. So what are we doing in whatever dreams we have that's helping us get there? What are you doing that's going to get you there? In my case, I want a, a, a reputation. So I make sure I try and align myself with reputable people. I make sure that I, I deliver what I promise I'm going to deliver. And then I know what I'm aiming for as well. So my key thing is have an anchor point and take genuine and actual stock of where you're at. The second and, and most important thing I think is your network is your net worth. My mom told me that when, when we're growing up, she'd tell us all the time, uh, your network is your net worth. You, if you don't have a network of people that you can rely on, if I, I don't have someone I can go to and say, give me 10,000 pounds today, that means I'm not worth 10,000 pounds. So think about yourself. What value do you give to your network? And what, how can you gain a valuable network? And when you have that exchange, it's easier for you to be accountable. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to have to come to an end there, but I just want to say to you, thank you very much, everybody, for contributing. Thank you for the conversations. Um, my last, uh, my last words uh, for this fire chat will be that what, whatever you do, understand your value. That's one thing I needed to know. I needed to know my value because actually it was Godwin's mom that said, people don't know who we are. Because we don't know who we are. So get to know your value. The second thing and uh, that I'm going to say is in whatever we do, whatever your circumstances, there is no situation that lasts forever. We say where we come from that the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. So take that step from what you've had here today and do something. And let me remind you, these fireside chats will continue. There will be, um, they, they, uh, you will get uh, messages on it. Please do attend. You'll get tips. You will get to learn about money and finance. And we will work together and we will learn together and we will grow together. So be ready for what's coming for you through Manimatics. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Grow Your Money podcast. If you're looking to take actionable steps toward achieving your financial goals, visit moneymatics.com. That is money, M-A-T-I-X.com. And join our free Grow Your Money Challenge. Let's unite in the movement to inspire people to talk about money. Thank you for being a part of our community. We'll see you in the next episode.